church. Uh, it's a joy and honor to be with you here uh, this morning. I feel like a start is somewhat home for me because outside of any place that I've ever served, I think uh, I've preached more here than anywhere else and uh, been invited to. And so it's always a joy and an honor uh, to worship uh, together whenever um, Brother Jeff, Coach Thomas to me, uh, um, called me or texted me about coming and and preaching, it was either going to be this week or next week, and he kind of gave me the decision. Uh, but the Lord knew uh, personally that I needed this week with just things that are going on and just to rest in his goodness and who he is. And we worship a risen Savior together. Amen. Right? The King of kings and Lord of lords. And so this morning, we're going to dive straight into the book of Philippians in chapter 4, verses 10 through Um, 23. And as you turn there, I want to just start off with a story of an author, Joseph Heller. Uh, There's a story about when he was at a a party once, a friend of his came up to him and pointed at a young guy that was standing over uh, across the room. And his friend said to him, hey, you know that guy, he's a lot younger than us, but he has made more money this year than we're going to make in our lifetimes. And Joseph Heller looked at his friends and he says, maybe so, but I have one thing that that man will never have, to which his friend replied, kind of perplexed and said, well, what is that? And Joseph said, enough. He said, enough. And I wonder this morning, as we gather together, as we look at contentment, as we look at uh, a famous verse in the book of Philippians, I wonder if we can sit here together this morning and say, Jesus is enough for me. Christ is enough. At times in my life, this has been the hardest lesson to learn, and, and maybe if the Lord leads me to, to share some of that uh, throughout this message, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but this, this lesson of Jesus being enough and not needing everything else that this world has to offer, but needing Jesus alone has been one of the hardest lessons for me to learn. And I'm not very old, right? But walking through different things, walking through difficult situations in life can always make us want more. Always make us want to put our hope in other things, to seek out other things when Jesus Christ is enough. And that's what I want us to to dive into this morning and to talk about as we gather um, together. And so I do appreciate uh, you, um, you know, allowing me to be here this morning. Um, But it's not about me. It's about Christ and Christ alone and us learning from his word. And so I pray that he does hide me behind his cross and that he would speak because I'll be honest with you. Um, I got not much to say, and that's probably bad English, right? I'll blame that on Coach Thomas because he was my English teacher, right? <laughs> but uh, I want to dive in and read Philippians 4, 10 through, 13, 10 through 23, and then we're just going to continue this morning. Paul says to the church of Philippi, as he closes out this letter, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. 
I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are, who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those at Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Would you just pray with me once more this morning? Father, we do thank you for who you are. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, you are good, and that is an undeniable fact. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are. Father, we give you praise in this place this morning. We thank you, Father, for a time of, of worship through singing. And Father, now we look to worship you through your word. And so would you speak to our hearts, Father, as I ask you every time, would you hide me behind your, Christ, your cross so that your words would go forth and not mine? Because your words hold power. Your words are able to change us and to mold us into who you've called us to be. And so, Father, may you use this passage of Scripture to speak to our hearts and to teach us new things about you and about your goodness. It is in the grace and mercy in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray this morning. Amen. Amen. A few things I want to look at this morning, and the first is this, as we look at Philippians 4, 10 through 23 and unpack what this means and just kind of walk through it, the first thing that I want us to see together in this place is this, is that our circumstances cannot dictate our hope. Our circumstances cannot dictate our hope. Paul thinks the church of Philippi, and he rejoices to the Lord because of the help that they have been to them. He's given them all of this instruction throughout the first three chapters of this book, and he gets to kind of wrapping it up, and he says, you know, I thank you for what it is that you've done. But there's a part of the scripture here that just kind of makes me laugh a little. Because as Paul is thanking them, and as he's kind of reminiscing about all of these things that they have done, he immediately says, pretty much to paraphrase, hey, look, I'm not saying this out of need. I'm not telling you this because I needed you to do this. The fact of the matter is, as Paul is telling the church of of Philippi, here's all of this instruction. Thank you, but honestly, I don't need your partnership. Seems a little silly and kind of bold, right? Uh, But he was grateful. Paul was grateful. He's essentially telling the church of Philippi that even if I did not have your partnership, that I would have been able to survive. I would have been fine. I would have been fine and dandy. I would have been able to carry on. If I didn't have your partnership, the Lord would have taken care of me. And it seems like a very odd way for someone to sum up a letter to a church. And as I read that and as I think about that and and think about the things that Paul is saying here in this passage, I think, man, Paul, why are you saying this? Why are you saying that you, you don't need the church of Philippi? And the only thing that I could come up with after reading commentaries, after studying, after hearing from the Lord is that the reason that Paul didn't need the church of Philippi is because Paul did not find his contentment in the church or in his situations, but he found his contentment in Christ. That's it, right? He found his contentment in Christ. Paul says, I have learned the secret. I have learned the secret. I have learned how to be content that no matter whatever the situation, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm fed, whether I have abundance, or whether I have 
need, I have found the secret, and it is summed up in the one theme of the letter to the church of Philippi in one person, and Paul found his contentment in Christ and Christ alone. That's it. That is the place where Paul found his contentment. That is where his hope rested, right, in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. In nothing else, Paul saw Christ as the one who made him content. His satisfaction came through Christ alone, nothing more, nothing less. And that is encouraging for me as a 32-year-old right, follower of Christ. It is encouraging to me after walking through situation after situation through difficulty. It's encouraging to know that I can be content in Christ. Because everything around us says that you need all of this stuff. You need to chase after these things in order to be content, in order to have a happy life. You need everything else that the world has for you. And Christ says, no, you don't. You just need me. You just need me. And if you would live in that truth, you would learn how to be content. That's what Paul is saying. It's what he wants to teach us. And it's really encouraging to know that Paul was able to find that, especially after everything that he had went through the struggles that he had faced, the churches that he had planted, all these churches that he's writing letters to, and he's telling them, like, you just need Jesus, right? You just need Jesus. Paul teaches us throughout his word, throughout his letters, we see in his life that he's not a circumstantial follower of Christ. And in church, we can't be either. We can't be a circumstantial follower of Christ. Here's a question I want to ask you this morning. I want you to be honest with yourself. I want you to really dive deep into yourself and to, and to really take this question to heart. And here it is, okay? Does your situation dictate your dedication? Does your situation dictate your dedication? Paul would say no. Paul would say for him, he was dedicated to Christ no matter what. Church, we can't allow our circumstances to dictate how and when we follow Christ. But there's a lot of times that we do. It's really easy for us to say yes to the things of God whenever everything's going easy, right? When life is good, when life is kind of checking the boxes how, they need, how we think that they need to check, it's really easy that when God says, you know, do this, that we just jump at it and we do it. But whenever things are going difficult, whenever we're, we're going through the sludge of life, it can be hard sometimes to trust and to obey. Paul says, whether in abundance or need, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm fed, whether it's good, whether it's bad, I trust you because my circumstances don't dictate my hope. If our hope and our focus is on the wrong thing, then of course, here's the deal, we're never going to experience true joy in life. The joy that comes in a life and a relationship with the King of Kings, the King of this universe, that our joy is found in Christ, in Christ alone, and He is unchanging. That's an undeniable fact. He is good. He is unchanging in His goodness and in His faithfulness. He is always those things. It doesn't change. And so we find joy in Christ, in Christ alone, not in the things of this world. To sum it up, kind of like this, is that our circumstances will change, but Christ will not. 
So if we place our satisfaction in our circumstances, then eventually we will be let down. But Christ is not going to let us down because he is faithful. And I know that to be true. I walk in that. The faithfulness of God, the the fact that my circumstances don't dictate my hope, it's really easy, right? It's really easy to allow that to happen. And to be honest with you, I needed this passage because I'm still learning this. It wasn't until really recently that I've come to grips with the fact that God is faithful and that he is good and that he is enough. You're like, whoa, whoa. You're telling me you've just recently come to grips with that. Yes. Let me be just transparent and honest with you this morning. 2018, November 2018, almost four years ago, the most tragic moment of my life happened. That was the moment that I lost my dad. Started a new church six months earlier. Started talking, whatever you call it, to this young lady who's now my wife, right? And in that moment, November the 5th, 2018, my dad took his last breath. A man who meant everything to me. And it was hard. It was difficult to walk through that and to, to be a minister and to sit there in a funeral on the second row at a church in West Monroe and for the pastor to look at me and say, you know what, Les, this is going to help you in your ministry later in life. And I said, I don't want that. Like, if this is what's got to help me in ministry, then you can have it back, right? Like, I don't need that. But what I failed to realize in that moment and even for years after that is just how good God truly is. Just how faithful He is. And just the fact that He is enough. And I look back and I see God's faithfulness in the fact that my dad, the first person I ever baptized, all my life waited for Him to, all my life, from 14 years on, waited for Him to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, and it never happened, and finally it did. And I got to baptize Him. God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. I I get to be with him again in glory, worshiping the King of Kings. I see everything that God has done, and I realize, you know what, that that circumstance, it stunk. I could use a lot of words for, for that circumstance. It was terrible. But that circumstance doesn't dictate my hope. Why? Because Christ is enough. Because even though that happened, Christ is still real. And he's still good. And he still walks with that, with us. He doesn't let us down. Now, you can look at a situation like that and you can say, God, you let me down. No, God didn't let us down. My dad was suffering with cancer and now he is fully healed, worshiping his Savior. God didn't let me down. God redeemed the situation and, and redeemed my life and, and worked through some things in our family through that death and of my father. He didn't let us down. He's faithful. And he continues to be faithful. So my question for us is, where is your hope? Where's your hope? Our circumstances are going to change, but I'm thankful for an unchanging God. My bad times are going to turn to good times. My good times are going to turn to bad times. It's inevitable, church, that your situation is going to change at some point. At some point, everything's going to get good or everything, things are just going to, you're just going to go through the sludge of life. It's inevitable. That life is going to be hard at moments, but if I'm not content in Christ, then my hope is misplaced. If I'm not content in Christ, then my circumstances are going to bring me down. But if I find my contentment in who Christ is, in Christ alone, I can walk through this life with joy because of the one who lives inside of me.
because I don't allow my circumstances to dictate my hope. Your circumstances cannot dictate your hope. And, and, and so, church, even though our circumstances change, Christ is consistent. And what does that mean for us? It means that we must be grounded in Christ. We must be grounded in Christ. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me, right? Philippians 4.13, one of the most famous I black verses in history. You know, every athlete writes it on their tape so they can remember it when they score that touchdown. Every student thinks about it when they didn't study for that test and they walk into class. I can do it all, right? I can move mountains. I, I, can, I can throw a touchdown at the last second to win the game. But church, what happens whenever that doesn't happen? What happens when you can't do something? What happens when you're stuck? What happens when something goes a different way than you thought that it should? Is Christ not good in those times? Philippians 4.13 is one of the most recognized verses of Scripture, but also um, one of the most misused verses of Scripture. Here's the truth about Philippians 4.13. The truth of this verse is that you can be content because you are in Christ. Because you are in Christ, that you can find that satisfaction in Christ alone, that we can have this inner sense of rest or peace in Christ alone, that our sufficiency is in Christ, that no matter the circumstance, that we can face it because of Christ, because He is at work and He works in us. And that kind of contentment only happens if we are in Christ, if everything that I do is lining up to the life of Christ. I probably won't move mountains, probably not going to pass that test without study, I'm probably not going to, you know make the last second shot in a basketball game. I was never good enough anyway, right? Um, right? <laughs> uh, uh, you may not build the fanciest house, and you may not be the wealthiest on the block, but you can rest in who Christ is, knowing that your life is owned by Christ alone. And you can do anything that God calls you to because Christ is working in you. We run from the things that God is calling us to because we think that we can't do them. But here's the thing. If Christ is in you, you can do what he's called you to, and he's called you to it for a purpose. We can read this verse in a different way. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I like to read it in this, this manner also, is that I can do all things in him who strengthens me. That I can do all things in him who strengthens me, that if I'm not in Christ, that if I'm not engaged with him, then of course I'm going to feel like I have no hope and I'm going to feel like I can't do those things that he calls me to. Um, I'm going to feel like I'm wandering around helpless because I'm not connected. C.J. Mahaney says, the quote is on the, the screens, he says, Paul learned the secret because he learned to give attention to the Savior. I don't care who you are, but that's good. Right? Paul learned the secret because he learned to give attention to to the Savior. He could be content, and he learned the secret of contentment because he learned how to be content in Christ. He gave attention to the one who gives us contentment, right? So what do you give your attention to? We give our attention to things all the time that are not of Christ, but only Christ can sustain us. So church, if Christ is in us, then everything that we do is going to flow out of that relationship. If our life is grounded in Christ, then no matter what comes against us, no matter what we face, we can stand firm Because we rest in an unchanging God who is good and perfect and works in us. I think of it like this, that those who go deep with Jesus discover only he can sustain them. 
that the deeper the intimacy, the intimacy, the greater the contentment. So if you are intimate with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, if you are engaged with him and grounded with him, you're going to find contentment because you rest in the Savior. No matter what it is that you're going through, you're going to be content because you rest in something different. You don't rest in the things of this world. You rest in Christ and Christ alone. This is why the Word of God is so important. This is why prayer is so important. Not check, like I'm, I know I'm a student pastor. We've got to talk about this all the time, right? It's not checklist Christianity, but it's real life-breathing Christianity whenever we read the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, when we meditate on the Word of God, when we spend time in prayer. It's not so that we can check a box and God's got gold stars for us up in a mansion in heaven. He doesn't. But he wants to know you. He wants you to grow in a relationship with him. Come in on Sunday morning and just hanging out and then going and checking out for the rest of the week is not life breathing. We have to be grounded in Christ and Christ alone and we will never find the secret to contentment if we don't give attention to the Savior. And I know, we're in church, we, we hear it all the time. Read your Bible, spend time in prayer, like, the, the Christian things, right? Why? Because they're important. <laughs> because God gave us this word. This is the word that God gave us from cover to cover that he inspired. It's undeniable. It's truth. It's the truth that we have. We don't live by our truth. We live by God's truth. And we find God's truth through his word. You want to know how to handle a situation? God's word. It's all there. You want to learn how to be content? Rest in who God is. And the only way I can rest in who God is is if I know God. And the only way that I'm going to know God is if I study the Word of God. I can't know God apart from His Word. This is the Word that He gave us. It's one of the most sold books in the world. And we probably have a dozen of them just sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Take it off. Blow the dust off. Study God's Word and know the one who we rest in, who we find contentment in. Those who go deep with Jesus discover only he can sustain them. The deeper the intimacy, the greater the contentment. Paul wanted them to understand that if we have Christ, we have enough. We have enough. You don't need anything else because you have Christ and Christ alone. But you know, Paul still cared about the people that, of the church of Philippi, Right? So the third thing I want us to see this morning is that we don't neglect the partnership that we have. Paul is still thankful. Even though he was content in Christ alone, he was still grateful for the church of Philippi. He remembered all that they had done for him. They had sent gifts. They had partnered with him when nobody else would. Um, when he was in Thessalonica, he says there in verse 16, he recognized this blessing that Philippi was. He didn't neglect that, which teaches me that we don't need to neglect the partnership that we have. Look around you. No, really, look around you. Don't quit. I see you're looking at me. Look around you, right? See the people around you. They are a gift. They are a gift. And there is a benefit in our togetherness because it's a blessing, right? Even though all we need is Christ, God still has given us each other. So if we neglect that gift of each other, then we're neglecting a gift that God has given to us. Your staff is a gift to you. You are a gift to your staff. 
You are a gift to the person sitting next to you. You are a gift to the person sitting five rows behind you and four rows in front of you. We are a gift to each other. And I know I just told you, find contentment in Christ alone. I'm not telling you to be content in, in one another, but we have been given one another. And we are living with the gift that God has given us, right? And that's each other. Paul knew that. Paul knew that the church of Philippi was a gift. He said, I don't really need you, but I'm thankful for you. So we could be content in Christ and thankful for one another, right? To encourage one another, spur one another along towards the work that God has for us in our community. We show up. We praise God together. We grow in our times of Sunday school together. We encourage each other outside of these walls. We check in on each other, right? We reach out to each other throughout the week. This isn't a social club, but it's a life that we do with one another outside of these walls. And so we're encouraging one another. Paul's writing letters to the church of Philippi. He's encouraging them as they have encouraged him whenever he wasn't with them. Uh, Tony Morita says, don't be a ninja. He's a, he's a pastor. Um, he says, don't be a ninja. Don't simply appear on a Sunday and then vanish mysteriously. I thought that was pretty good. But here's the thing, is we got a lot of ninja Christians. I can be a ninja sometimes, right? I just disappear throughout. I just check out. Don't check on anybody. Don't reach out to people. We're, we're living in our togetherness because it's a gift that God has given us. So don't be a ninja. Reach out to one another. Encourage one another. The church of Philippi made it a point to check in on Paul during this, during this journey. So I ask you this. I'm asking you a lot of questions this morning. Are you making a point to check in on your brother and sister in Christ? I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. How you doing, man? How was your week? God oh, is good. Okay. On with it. Like, let's go to the next one. But real life. Do you have that relationship with somebody that you can just be open and honest with? Really just check in on them and call them up. Know what's going on in their life. Know when the, oh, I'm having a good week, is a facade. But to walk through life with people. Are you making a point to check in on your brother and sister in Christ? Church, when we neglect the partnership that we have, we're neglecting a blessing that we have. And that blessing is one another. It's one another. Fourth and final thing. I know. I'm a youth minister. Not a very good Southern Baptist pastor. I got four points. The fourth one is this. Trust God to provide. That's it. Paul says, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Not your riches, according to his riches. Because when it comes to, to God, right? You're broke. <laughs> According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Check with me here. That doesn't mean that God is going to just give you whatever your heart desires. Okay? Because our heart desires a lot of things and our heart is pretty untrustworthy. You may not be rich in money. You'll be rich in Christ. God supplies all of your needs through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. I'm bringing this back. Because it is there that we find our contentment. It's there that we, we are sufficient. Our needs are met because we already have a great high priest. And his name is Jesus. 
We can trust that God will provide because he has already provided his son for us. Through his death and his resurrection, Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. In Genesis, God says, let us make man in our own image. Jesus existed before the dawn of time. And when the world broke, when creation was torn, the perfect world that God had created, when man messed it up, a plan was in motion. Jesus, who was there since the beginning of time, would one day leave the glory of heaven to be born of a virgin, to live fully man, fully God, to live a perfect sinless life and to die on the cross. But he didn't rest there. He rose again, defeating death, ascended back at the right hand of his Father, and there he stands in victory because he's defeated death and he's given us a way out of our sin. We can have that relationship with him by admitting that he is Lord, believing in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and everything that he has done, confessing that we are sinners, repenting from that, and walking towards Christ, making him Lord of our life. Don't miss this. Jesus left the glory of heaven for you. He didn't just manifest and appear. He left what was good and perfect to come to a sinful world and defeat death. And you can have that relationship if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, made the decision to follow him in believer's baptism. You can do that this morning by giving your life to him. Giving him your life. Making him Lord, confessing of your sin, repenting of your sin, and walking towards Christ. He has provided his son. So we can trust God to provide because he is good because he's already provided the gift of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, church, that you are going through this morning, let me say this. Would you give it to God? Out of a job, a family member sick, whatever it is that you are going through, would you give it to God? Trust that he is going to provide himself because he already has. And I know we run to things to fill us all the times. I know I've talked about that. I I don't understand why I do it because those things hold no power. Yet we have the one who does hold power living inside of us. But we have to have faith to trust that God is bigger than our problems and that he's able to provide in our situations. Would we give it to God and trust him to provide in his way? Because while the journey that you are on may be hard, We can rejoice because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. We've already been supplied everything that we need because we have Christ, and he is enough. We can be content in him, no matter what it is that you're facing. You lose a loved one? Look, I know that's hard. Jesus is enough. You walked into a terrible situation at work one day where you lost your job. I know that there's uncertainties. But there's one certain thing, and that's Jesus, and he is enough. Are you walking through the pains of 
Maybe trying to start a family. And the one gift that you want, God hasn't given to you. Your child. Guess what? Jesus is enough. You can be content in who he is because he's good, because he doesn't fail you, because your circumstances don't dictate your hope, because you're grounded in Christ, because you have people who want to walk beside you and come around you and you're not neglecting that partnership and you can trust that he is going to provide because he's already provided himself and he is enough. Whatever it is that you are facing, it's not bigger than he is. Paul knew that. Paul understood that. And Paul understood that Jesus is enough. He's good. And church, when we know that God is good, when we know that he is enough, our only responses is to turn to him and to praise him. Because he's enough. He is enough. Your situation doesn't dictate your dedication because you're dedicated to the one who is good. Your your circumstances don't dictate your hope because you hope in the one who is faithful. You're grounded in Christ because he's good. And we give him glory, just as Paul did to the church of Philippi. So what questions do I need to answer this morning? Two things. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're either going to fall on our face before God or we're going to stand and worship him like we never worshiped him before. Where do you find your contentment? In the things of this world or in the things of Christ or in who Christ is? Where do you find your contentment? Number two, Are you neglecting the partnership that you have with your brothers and sisters in Christ? We're a gift for one another. We walk through life together. And so as Andy comes to lead us in a time of invitation, I want you to answer those two questions. See how you respond. If you say, I find my contentment in the things of this world, would you just get on your face before God and say, God, you are enough. I've been chasing after all these other things, but here you are enough, and I realize that and I understand that. It's okay. It's okay to do that. Just be real. Grab somebody if you need to grab somebody to pray with you. And if you're not thankful for the gift that you have together, would you just thank God for that? And if you are doing great, good job. But praise him because he's good. Praise him because he is good. I love you, Start Baptist Church, and I'm thankful for you. But all of us have areas we can grow in, and I know one of mine is my contentment in who Christ is. What's yours?